0: Personal fight for purity. What's had a positive influence? Think about it. what's been good for you in that. God. Well, whatever whatever in your life has, has had a, a positive influence in your own stand, in your fight for purity. What's what's helped you? Words, talking about the gospel. Talking. Oh, that's what you said. I'm sorry. Oh, we heard that. Yeah, I, I just said the you said the gospel. Well, talk talking about the gospel yeah and actually talking, the, the, the reason you're talking is because there is someone there with you, right? Talking about it, right? Someone rubbing off, right? Yeah. Someone. When he, when he off, right? Our iron sharpening iron. That's, that's a good, uh, good answer right there. What about anybody else? What's had a positive influence in the five for purity? I think my mama had grown up when she was like a seven, eight years old. She was a street preacher. She was a little simply God kid. And a street preacher filled with the spirit of God. I go out not have church on the streets and stuff. With kids. She was that kind of committed. And never, she did back off the commitment when she got married and had kids for a little bit. Because it was really bad circumstances and stuff. and all. But she never really turned her back on the Lord. She never. Went out, and did the crazy vices that people like to do, and all that stuff. She, just, she stayed basically holy before the Lord. And then, the thing in my fight for purity is the fact that I didn't want to disappoint my mama. That was a huge fear that I would disappoint my mama and make make her cry or something by something I did or said or, or embarrass her holiness. You know, embarrass her in her holiness. That was huge. Not want to disappoint the family. And then as I grew up, one time, I was an adult, quite a bit younger than this adult now, but I was an adult. And I remember one time I was by myself, and this thought came, no one's around here. And it's not that bad, really, you know. No one's watching, why don't you do that? And so it's kind of like the cartoon, you know, the, red, the guy with the red forked tail and the guy with the white wings over here talking back and forth. Nah, no, nah, that's not right. The Lord's already shown He doesn't want you to involve yourself in that area. Ah, ah, no one's watching. Who no. will know? And that goes back and forth a while. God's watching. Yeah. Well, that's what happened. I'm, I'm sitting there and this is going back and forth, and it got real quiet for a little bit. My mind is going, hmm, hmm, hmm. And then I heard a voice, it was the voice of Jesus. He goes, I'm here. And guess what? (laughs) When I heard those words and realized who that was, all of a sudden things changed. All of a sudden purity wasn't an issue anymore. (laughs) I'm sure not going to mess around with purity with Jesus sitting, actually he's here, you know. Sidewalking and you know, I sure wasn't gonna uh, do something to disappoint him. And so that was that was a huge issue for me and a huge help in that area. Now, what has had a negative influence? You don't have to look very far actually. What's had a negative influence in your 5 for period? Of- the boob tube. <laughs> Billboards! <laughs> Magazine stands, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. him, y'all know what he actually said? and he, It says in King James, yeah, bone of my bone, the flesh, my flesh, what he was actually doing was going, <whistles> he was whistling, wolf whistling at the top of his lungs when he first saw her, and, and doing like the, the dude on the cartoon, whoa, 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 like that, like you know, three stooges or something, all excited at what he was looking, his eye gate was seeing all the, the, the beautiful, sexy woman and so that's the way our software is. Our iGate is one of the biggest things. I, I probably learn reading stuff as much as anything. I do love to hear stuff and all. Drives Dola nuts. I'll listen to things over and over again. I'm preaching and teaching the works. So I'll listen to it over. Oh, we heard it, heard that. I heard it already. Well, I know that it, it doesn't hurt at all. Faith comes by what? Hearing, and hearing, and hearing. Right. So. My ear gate's good, but my eye gate's even more powerful, which is why I'm going to get this fixed money. (laughs) So I don't have to wear these crazy things anymore. But anyway, uh, the, the eye gate is of urgent importance, and that is the biggest negative influence. Remember, in the book of Genesis, you go back to chapter two, the man and the woman are there in the garden, chapter three, and that temptation, it says the woman saw that the fruit was good, pleasant to the eyes, to be desired because it's pleasant to the eyes and all that. The eyes bring the imagination up in us. That's why it's so important to... It says guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? Guard your eyes. You know, And it talks about it in the word. Uh, this was another verse that meant a big, a uh, huge thing to me in earlier years. It says it in the word, flee fornication. Flee fornication. Do you know what fornication now the the original language that the spoke, it was one word, fornication. And we all think, well, that means having sex with a woman before you're married. Right? And that's what we kind of typically follow the word. The word actually means any type of sexual sin. In that coin in God's language, it means any type of sexual sin. And he says, flee from it. Run, forest. <laughs> Run, you know? So, I saw that and realized with the eyes too because the prevalence, the internet was coming up 25 years ago and you can get a computer and you know what would happen. I've got got a home office on the farm there. My construction company was in Broken Arrow close suburb and I was 54 miles from my office door. So uh, my preferred thing to do if I didn't have things to run estimates down there would be work out of the farm office and the computers, the internet's coming up and do you know what was so aggravating? You'd be going along doing stuff. Uh, turn your head to reach yourself, look back up and up is pops up on your screen. What do they call that, Wayne? Or Jeff, what do they call it? When people there people they use used to be fishing, or, What do they call that when stuff will pop up on yeah, your screen, as it pop-ups. Pop-ups, pop-ups, and, and the pop-ups had naked women on them. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, how did that happen? He's ready to get the hammer and do all this. Well, the flea fornication, because Jesus made the statement in the word, if you have looked upon a woman lustfully as if you're committing adultery with her, you have already pretty well done it in God's eyes, right? So you've already you've already committed the sin in his eyes. And so what did I have to do? I had to learn. Hit the off button right then. Do whatever you hit control all delete, right? Get that off. <laughs> do that, restart the computer and get that off. I didn't know, I wasn't an expert like our IT guys here, I didn't know you could get a program that would kill that stuff at the time. But that was an issue, that was a fight against my purity, that stuff popping up all, not all the time, but enough at the wrong time, and especially if your six-year-old son has walked in and standing beside you, working on a computer now. Dad, did you see that? She didn't have, she, she, didn't, she didn't have a towel on. Did you see that? <laughs> it didn't mean anything to him. But yet, you're looking at that woman. You know That was a horrible thing. And so it was a, I had to apply that verse, flee fornication, flee from it with my eyes. And I think that we have to guard our eye gates. That's an important issue in the, the fight for purity make sure that we're vigilant about what our eyes are looking at. Um, at the house with Dole, I mean, you'd expect with your wife, right? Your wife's been a minister 30-something years, she, and, and and been a holy person. She's been real, okay? She's not been a hypocrite, a faker, or nothing like that. She's been real. You would expect, if something like that's coming up, we have a policy if, uh, if we're at Netflix or something like that, and there's a movie that sounded interesting, and and we start watching. The minute they start, they start letting stuff out of their mouth. It's polluting, violent polluting. The minute that happens, give me the remote. <laughs> we're out of here. Or the minute clothing falls off someone, we're out of here. You, you gotta, you gotta take that attitude in the fire you You gotta take it. I'm going to flee this thought of fornication because, what, what's it called? Eye candy. Isn't that what they call that? Eye, candy? eye candy. candy. I guess to be addictive for folks, you know. So <laughs> that's, that's an issue. The thing that had have the biggest negative impact, the fact that our eye gate is open and available to be abused in that way. Now, other than sex, what issues you, you had to face in your fight for purity? Now, here, here's when I, uh, Mary Doe and I even said it from the pulpit here before, because I, I'm surprised there have been times that I have been approached by people of the opposite persuasion, and, uh, and kind of, I guess they call it being hit on. I didn't grow up around that stuff, so you know I'm kind of naive about it in a way, but when I realized that, I, I've made the statement, when I put this Marks down the aisle and put this on my finger, or Dola put this on my finger, and I say, When I said I do to Dola Gregory, now Warren, when I said I do to her, I said I don't to anyone else on this planet. Right. See, that's, you know, Job, and here's another scripture that just came back up to me about the, the book of Job. How many of us spend time studying Job, right? But I've been through it a number of times. But I can remember a verse in there that Job, they were, the the, friend, the quote, friends were coming. Remember the story? He had all horrible things happen to him. It was from Satan, right? And these friends were coming up to him and saying, Job, it's because you have been such a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You've sinned. You've done this. You've done that. You've, you've let God down so much, Job. And Job finally answered one of them, he said, I have made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon a maid. The maid being the young, I can't touch you. i made a covenant with my eyes. I looked upon this woman that I've committed to. I've looked upon, they didn't do the rings, I guess, back in that day. I've looked upon my covenant, and that covenant says my eyes won't look anywhere else. And that that can be hard, I, I admit that. You know, uh, lady in the tramp, the, the phrase, yeah, she's got a she had a well-turned paw didn't she? You know, talk about the little dog that he was looking at, you know. Well, some of the some of the, the ladies have got a well-turned paw on them, but <laughs> it's a matter of what about our fight for purity? What about have we made the covenant with her eyes? Have we have we committed to the Lord? First of all, when I Submitted to the idea of getting married in 1984, that first time around, I said to the Lord, uh, "I'm really not interested. I don't want to just be an apostle, Paul. Who needs that marriage stuff, you know? But because you told me in your word that you that I need to be fruitful and you and you'll bless me through that." I said, "I'll receive." The perfect woman. How many of you know there's no such thing right? Mm-hmm. Well, isn't the one you married now close to it? Well, that's what I'm saying. The one, there is a, I believe that's the whole point. I believe Mary, the Bible He is the perfect <laughs> the I believe the Bible teaches right man, right woman. I honestly believe that. There is a right man and a right woman who belong to each other. Okay? If you're married to her right now that's your right woman. Whether or not you get along at the moment, <laughs> you know that's your right woman. In God's eyes, you have become one flesh, and so I, I believe that that's the thing we should strive for. I understand, Dwayne. I'm not going around you at all. I understand your situation, like, but you're a grandpa. You know, you have a family, so so don't don't think that we're shorting your 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 circumstances at all. here just and ignoring. It. Yeah. addictive, right? Yeah, addicted to them, you know. Because of the <coughs> uh, quite literally physical chemicals released in the body yeah. into the brain yeah. that, that, that bring a sense of pleasure and stuff. And that's the same with dope and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, they've got another <coughs> name for it. Right? Do- dopamine? Do- dopamine is the the pleasure hormone, whatever it is, chemical, whatever yeah. it is, gets released. You know. yeah. addictive and fully understand that I, I, I can look back and think back my younger years. It was just the grace of God that I got through without falling into a lot of stuff. It just it's, I think it was my mama's prayers and watching over more than anything that I and I didn't want to disappoint her, you know. But I sure had the opportunities and could have done that. I just chose not to at the moment, you know. Freaked out you might say. It, but. Thought of, all of that stuff. And we're not perfect and none of us got I, I don't have a perfect saint past at all. But I just I didn't get involved with the, the typical what church people go, ooh or you know, I didn't get involved with that stuff. And I mean grown up under that kind of household but, and we're not we're just not doing that around here, that kind of that kind of deal. My sisters didn't listen, but I did. But the fight of purity for me had been more in the area of the mind and the eyes. Anything else? Maybe yours is different, or maybe yours is similar. So then,
1: I messed up my first marriage. And then uh, the second lady I met, we, uh, I'm 38 years old now. And uh, now were you truck driving all that time? Yeah. Which well, well, made it easy through sure.
0: I think in the 15th chapter he said I know Abraham I'm going to covenant with Abraham I'm going to contract with Abraham and bless him I know him that he will train his children and his seed after him to stay in my ways it's so important children, you know if you think about it children's ministry we have kids world, right and that's, that's in reality that's taking them so that they can into a situation where they may be more on their level and we're not using adult words to them and all that Maybe they can understand better in there for us. So the adults can kind of be at peace in here, right? But real children's ministry is, is training mama and daddy to minister to their children. Think about that. Real children is training mama and daddy the best way to minister to their children. I, I, I look at James and Holly. It's uh, your kids. They're, they're probably not perfect kids, right? Not a,
1: When I look at, at the results that I interact with
0: your kids, I'm like, wow, you guys have really done a knockdown, drag out job there with those kids. SD, right? <laughs> parental, parental trauma, stress syndrome. said, Jojo comes up and he starts pointing whatever they're talking about and says, We just, we just don't let the devil into this. No, no, we're not going to let the We don't allow the devil in this. She's laying along. I don't know about that. She's laughing. So I, I can appreciate that, that those kids, there's something going on good there. Something going on right there. Praise God. Anyway, not to go off on rabbit trails, but real children's ministry is training mama and daddy in the proper ministry to their own children. Because Abraham was committed by God because he would train his children, right? He didn't take them to church expecting the children's pastorhood, he did it himself, and just let them enhance what was going on, wrong, you know, so. Anyhow, uh, what what issues have you had to face in your fight for purity? Thank you, Keith, for sharing. In your own fight for purity, what issues have you had to face? I mean, other than seeing the nasty billboards, and <laughs> um, you go. Uh, Europeans are a little looser about a lot of things than we are here, and I've been over there doing mystery trips and stuff like that. And <laughs> you come out of it like, "Wow, wow! I don't believe it." Amsterdam is one is a prime example of that you time you live there you're wow I didn't know people did that <laughs> I didn't know ladies conducted themselves that way you know that kind of thing so we sheltered a little night you guys are like that <laughs> uh, <clears throat> God with me, that when they strip this blower stuff out, that it will put me back to 2020, where I was before. Uh, Romans 8:1, remember, there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus, and Paul qualified that, and said who walk not, live not by their flesh nature, but by the spiritual nature in the Holy Spirit. And then summer, there are some folks that have uh, darkened themselves from Christ and separated from fellowship with God. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Uh, there, I, I made the statement before, the most blessed and happy people in the world are Christians. But flip the coin, the most miserable people in the world are also Christians. Not the same well, not the same Christians, but think about that. The Christian who says, yeah, I accept Jesus, and just ignores and goes on in life, doesn't walk in fellowship. Think about that. They're they're absolutely miserable because why? They didn't pro, they didn't press forward. They didn't go get fed and digest the word and grow, come up in Him. You know. And so there it says that there. Uh, Paul told the Corinthians, I got in trouble back of uh, last well, a year ago when I was in the middle of a message talking about the New Year's Revolution. And I talked about, we need to have not a resolution about New Year's, but a revolution in our New Year's to revolt against the things of the flesh and carnality. And that Paul had made the statement to the people in Corinth. He said, I I couldn't talk to you like spiritual, like mature people, like real Christians, but I had to talk to you as carnal, fleshly. And the word he was using really translates as meatheads. You remember that, Dwayne? It does. And I, I wasn't calling anybody in our church meatheads. I was saying Paul talked to these Corinthians and called them meatheads. Boy, did I get feedback about that. Yeah, you, what do you mean calling us meatheads? <laughs> no quite shape or form. But that's what he did. That's a, that is a separation from fellowship right there to walk after the, the meat, the flesh. And, uh, and so, first, John tells us, "Walk in the light." Is he's in the light. What is the light? The light's the word. The light's the meditation of the word, digestion of the word. Uh, in Ephesians four eighteen, it says, "They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God." That is a whole seminar of teaching. I had to, oops, I came to Jesus. Uh, at uh, First Assembly of God, Kennedy, Texas, which is a little small town around an hour from San Antonio. A hot country, believe me. I don't remember what this, this uh, fellow had, he he was an evangelist, came, had a guitar, could play it pretty good. He was a Messianic Jew. So I I enjoy that Jewish style, the minor key Jewish style songs and stuff. He's up there playing some really cool songs, I'm getting to the music. And in those songs, he's given the gospel, the news about Jesus. And then he he shares the message and sings a little more. And I, at that moment, I knew I needed someone more than anything else in the world. I needed a Savior and all that. So I went up and, and received Jesus at that moment, okay? But I didn't know anything about they. It was a funny thing. They, uh, there was uh, two, elder, two of the elderly mamas of the church up there at the altar with me at the altar, and I'm having just a wonderful woo-woo time in the Lord, crying my eyes out, joy and stuff, and one of these sisters slapped me on the back, hang on, brother, hang on, brother, okay. and the owner on the other side near with my hand going, turn loose, brother, turn loose. What <laughs> Turn loose, brother, turn loose. She's grabbing of my arm like that. Oh, what's the zero song In effect, in in effect, that's interesting you said that because I I got, I was just, I I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Did you ever have that experience in your spiritual life when you got saved? You got saved, you didn't really know what you're supposed to do. Maybe you had an idea, I need to go to church, right? I I might need to listen to the preacher a little bit, right? But I didn't. I was a teenager and of course the folks brought us to church because we all came into the Lord around the same time. And brought us in. and I was all excited and I was on this Rocky Mountain High kind of thing spiritually. Woo woo! They didn't teach us the word. The word says, The Lord is my shepherd, he leads me beside the green the, the peaceful waters, he leads me in the green pastures, right? The pastures, that's how you're gonna grow as a sheep, right? The grass and all that. Well you know, I, I didn't know I didn't know I should read my Bible that they never mentioned that or anything up there. So in the youth group we might have a little Bible reading program. I didn't know you need to ask the Holy Spirit to help you really grab hold of what's there. That's what he's there for. The anointing teaches you all things, it says right first John, that anointing for the Spirit. I didn't know that. So I'm sitting there uh, like a little blind bat flying around, you know, just spiritually speaking. And when the the woo-woo feelings let up a little bit and they do you know when you get when you you get married you're woo-woo about each other for a little while but then there's a time when the woo-woos less a little bit real life moves in and you learn to deal with that and get your woo-woos back. Okay, but you know I think spiritually it'll happen that way too. You know, so I I was all in this Rocky Mountain high and the next thing I know I'm down in the valley. And life spiritually became that for a while, for several years after that. I was this teenager, didn't know any better. And if I'm feeling victorious, woo! I'm saved, glory to God. You all need to know Jesus! You need to get filled with the Holy Ghost! Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So I was at, I call that the Holy Coaster. You ride a roller coaster, ride a Holy Coaster up and down. I did that for years. And then the realization finally came, I got tired of being in and out um, quite quite literally legally speaking I've mentioned it before we are the main exhibit of the supreme court of heaven of the case of our creator father God his case against Lucifer who accused him who brought charges against him of being unfair over this being kicked out of heaven and you know, Lucifer tried to overthrow him and take his throne and he got kicked out and Took a third of the angels, and so Lucifer and the other angels have joined together to charge and accuse Father God with unfairness and unjustness. And if they won that case, he's no longer God, he's pretty well destroyed because that's his whole essence and basis. He's fair, he's just. So that's what's happening. We are the exhibit numero uno in that case of the Supreme Court of heaven, and our response. Each of us, how many? How many? Seven billion of, seven and a half billion of us now there. So how many hundreds of millions before? Us? Each of those who will step into God's plan, who will receive the Savior, who will continue to follow the Savior, who will continue to bring the Word in from the Savior and digest it to grow up in Him. But we're the ones that are 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 bringing the, what do you call it, the winning spirit, or the, uh, we're the ones bringing the blue ribbon to God's Father the Father's side of the, of the contest here, okay, By each of us. And so that's why he's quite literally has made it so incredibly easy for us to cross the border. It ain't like Mr. Trump had the Texas border down there before. Mm-hmm. And you got border patrol to deal with keeping you out, it ain't that way, it is. Open wide the gates, come on in, people. That's, that's Father God's attitude. There's, the borders are not closed here, it's open. There, there are no illegals here, people. Mm-hmm. Come on, make it legal, confess Jesus and make it legal. Yeah. Come on in and then grow. Make disciples, right? right. Make disciples, right? right? So, be in other words, become <laughs> disciples. Make yourself first of all a disciple and make others. So, we, we've got that situation uh, darkened from Christ. They, they, uh, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. What is that person? Well, yes, that is a heathen person who is rejected or someone who's never heard, and doesn't know to, but someone who's turned away from God. But did you know, like I said, the most miserable people on earth are Christians also. That is the people who have turned the motivational switching, switch work, switchery, circuitry in their own spirit and soul. They've turned the switch to the offsetting. They're not receiving the word. That's what Ephesians is all about. He gave these gifts. He gave gifts to men, right? Apostle, pastor, teacher, preacher, all those guys. Why? To share the word. It says he's exalted his word above his name. Back in the Psalms put his word even above his name and his name's above everything right so he's done that and what does that do what does that mean as as a Christian your number one thing is stay in fellowship with God so that that's your number one task so that you can receive that word so you can digest that word so you can grow up through that word become big and strong spiritually self-sustaining through that word that's his will for each of us as warriors we're, we can stand even by ourselves and win a battle remember the, remember the Old Testament stories and judges of Shema it says he, he, he uh, there was a pea patch and the Philistines were, were coming over trying to get get him or get someone there and it says he stood and slew 300 Philistines stand alone spiritual self sustain, if necessary to be a hero for the gospel that's what it, being a hero Hebrews talks about heroes, spiritual heroes. That's what he's after for us to become that category of warrior, a hero before the Lord in the gospel. To grow up that big, that uh, to have that good of a grasp of the warfare of the weapons, the use of our mouth, the use of our thinking, the use of our eyes, right? Our gates, right? All those things working together, all things work together for what? The good. That's what he's after that's the plan that he's after so uh, the folk, some folks have, have deliberately turned away but the most miserable people are Christians who have turned their switch off and they've chased what what it says is there is it, it, they, they walk in the metanoia of their soul the metanoia was a physics word in science that the Greeks we use it's the vacuum of their soul turn your vacuum cleaner on what's it doing it's creating nothingness. Think about that. That motor is pulling everything out of that spot. And what happens when stuff is pulled out of the spot? What happens? The physical world something rushes in to replace it, right? right. So that's why a vacuum works. It keeps making a vacuum, and all the dirt stuff that's loose comes in to fill the spot, right? The same principle. That's what the metanoia is in the soul of a person, the spirit soul. Of the heart is like a vacuum switch and if that switch is turned off to the word guess what it's opened up it, the, the the hose opens up to all the foreign matter out around all the doctrines it says doctrines of demons you ever heard that phrase the last days doctrines of demons everything else out there in the universe in the world false stuff that will mess up your thinking mess up your mind mess up your spirit that's what's what's going on with the plan of God there. And I'm not sure why I got off on that, because it's sure not <laughs> down here. <laughs> One little piece of something down here. Ephesians, uh, uh, the enemy attacks on our purity will of course have eternal effects on us as a warrior. Now we don't lose our salvation. That was an important lesson I had to face as a little assembly of God boy, because in the, the school of philosophies of theology out there, there's one called the Arminius. A Dutch fellow named Arminius thought that up and wrote it up as theology. And then there was another fellow over here in Switzerland by the name of John Calvin. So you have your Arminius and your Calvinist. John Calvin, he said everything was predestined, pre-planned. There there is nothing you can do for salvation. Because God already plant who's going to be saved. Basically, that, that, that's hyper Calvinism, you know. That's off. And what you think about that, Dad Hagen always told us stay on the road, don't go off in a ditch. You think about that theologically, that's being in a ditch over there. And that's not the road. Jesus is the road of the way, right? So you got this bunch, and there's this other bunch with that group I got saved with, uh, hyper Arminianism or ultra Arminianism. Arminianism believes that you're insecure no matter what in your salvation. Over here, they believe you're eternally unconditionally secure no matter what. You can't do anything bad enough or say anything bad enough to lose your salvation. And do Over here, over here, it's if here was a problem I had when I got saved, I joined in with my little freshman, eighth grade freshman, sophomore buddies. Uh, we went out, hung around, hot rodded around town at lunch cuss like sailors all the time because we thought it was cool, you know. So that was an issue of conscience. My mama would spank you for that, okay? So it was an issue of conscience. That was my sinning. <laughs> and when I got saved, guess what? That was still, your mind's got to be reprogrammed renewed, right? That's still up there, still on these this tongue. And if I got under stress, one of those one or two or three or four or twenty of those words would pop out. And something was piercing my heart when that happened. My conscience was bothered by it. And I honestly believe because I didn't feel saved, I felt dirty because of that. I believe I wasn't saved anymore. Well, that's ultra-Arminianism, that you lose your salvation by something that you've done. Now, the Bible says this. Uh, Jesus Christ, it says, all of our sin, everything we could ever think or do imagine. In the realm of sin was laid on him. Everything. That's what the word grace means. God's riches at Christ's expense. Jesus did pay it all. okay? The blood of Christ paid the price for all that. It. it was all put on him. So what that means is. Uh, legally, technically speaking. In the spring core universe. You don't have any sin when you receive him Because he took it all. He paid it. He, it says he bore it away. He was a scapegoat guy. It's it's all gone in God's eyes. And so, but then, uh, maybe you've heard me talk about there is a legal side to Christianity and there is a vital side to Christianity. The legal side is in the courtroom. And uh, it doesn't always make sense to our minds but it's in the courtroom. And the vital side is you and me each day, you and me sitting around this table on Wednesday night, or us Working on the building, or us going out knocking doors, or whatever we do, go out and drive truck around the country. Whatever we do, go out to the to the store, uh, sit in the emergency room and talk to people about Jesus all day. Whatever we do. So I had a lady get all excited in there. Oh, you brought my spirit back. She. Goes, <laughs> I thank God I saw you today. <laughs> someone up out of the pit and he says in the word he brought me out of the miry grid out of my replay right and set my feet upon a rock to stay right psalm 41 that's what we're, we're there for so anyway uh, my brain has just I think it's almost time to close it and Jeff you're ready to turn the camera off in about six minutes <laughs> I want us to to pray in closing brand genie that's Aunt Jeannie. Jeannie, is Jeannie Stetson? Sexton. Yeah. Sexton. So I, I, for some reason that twist on me, That like twisting, I guess Jeannie Sexton. She's in, she's in ICU level 2, right? Yeah. Swedes. And I, I intended to go over there today and pray with her and be with her. And I, they kept me, the, 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 some of these people are so incompetent that work in the administration of these things. They have paperwork all messed up. They wouldn't let me leave. And then they sent me to ICU or uh, emergency so.: I had a glove up and put a gun on. Put gun on, okay. So anyway, they have basically said she has, her body is shut down. They've got her 100% intake. And yeah. 95% exhale yeah. on, the, on the breathing machine. Yeah. Uh, here's the deal. April 9, 1981, when the drunk driver struck my vehicle at 75 miles an hour. The neurosurgeon and other doctors at the hospital in Tulsa talked to my folks in Phoenix, and they said, there is no possible way your son can live. They said his brain has been like scrambled like eggs and crushed inside his skull, and the skull's cracked, and then he's, both lungs are punctured. The, the pastor at the time said he came in there to ICU, and he said you're, you're in slings and your bones were all sticking out. It was really bad shape, and the prognosis was he's not going to make She said, the Doctor, we're headed to Tulsa right now, we're packing. He said, Ms. Worley, I'm not supposed to, to talk to you this way. However, you need to know this he's not going to be here for maybe more than two more hours. He's so badly damaged. So, you need to make arrangements, and we'll send him to you, okay? She didn't listen, praise God. <laughs> so, that's my attitude about those kinds of things. They're not the final authority. I don't hate doctors, I love them. I think they're doing God's work, but they're not final authority. They don't know everything. They can look at what their eyes are showing them, but that's not always how it works out. And we have someone of higher authority that we deal with, that we belong to. So I, I wanna mention this. I believe it's First John, it talks about, if any man see a, a brother sin a sin, which is not unto death, He'll ask God and God will restore his life. Your life for them No, another death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've mentioned to me that your aunt Jeannie I got was, was okay. she was a, a Catholic background, right?
1: Yeah, That's how she is now. Okay.
0: She got nine medicines. <coughs> They're, They're hungry. Hungry. Same, same boat. 1981, and almost the same boat two, two years ago here at, at sweet uh,
1: Her liver is going. Her yeah. heart's slowly going down. Yeah, that's
0: what they said about me. They said the machines yeah, were her, all going nothing.
1: Right now, sure she, doing her heart by herself, but it's her lungs are. She got, she There's got in so many fights and broke her, in her ribs so Scarred the lungs. It scarred me so bad it has a hole in it, it's just like, okay. you take silk and try and stitch it together. Okay. Yeah. They also said she wasn't supposed to make it to the
0: first surgery. Right. As a matter of fact, the, the, the notice I even got from you or your mom was yeah. that her body is now shutting down. That was yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Still, yeah. And so, so uh, okay. well. it's just when
1: her their, their youngest daughter wants to say enough is it not.
0: They're they're waiting on her to say that thing. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Do you think Jeannie wants to go on? You guys know her better than we do.
1: Well, she she says she sees her brother to her mom.
0: Sees them, meaning they're they're already on the other side. Yeah, they're already. At some point, I'm gonna tell you this. At some point, Jeannie bowed. I think she she, she gave up. Yeah. Being I, here. I think physical. at some point she bowed the knee to Jesus. Somewhere, somehow, without maybe being I, in our I church coming like up. Well, yeah. So, like I said, God is he is a legalist in every sense of the word as far as uh, reaching down and getting his creation out of hell takes every measure necessary he has made it so incredibly easy to cross the border and all a person has to do is express within their soul i'm believing on jesus christ as my savior that's all or it says whoever will call on the name of the lord someone can call out jesus lord jesus or something at that point stand yeah